Welcome to Kingstar Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God's word will impact your everyday life. Hallelujah. This week we've been talking about prayer, and prayer is the key to the church. Prayer is the key to the Christian life. Prayer is the key to living with God and growing in God. In this flourishing conference, flourishing in prayer is the word. And there's just no way you can flourish as a child of God, as a church, as a minister, as a people without prayer. Prayer, therefore, is that something that must be on our tongues, that must be in our midst, that must be a part of who we are at all times because everything that we are and all that we do and all that we will ever achieve finds its place, finds its meaning, finds its beginning in prayer. That is why the devil hates prayer. That is why religion hates prayer. That is why the world, they can stand everything else, but they can't stand a Holy Ghost prayer. Because prayer is the power. Prayer is the weapon. Prayer is the source. Prayer is what God has given us to usher us into where we should be. So as a child of God in this season, we want to encourage you in prayer that you'll pray more, you'll pray better, you'll have better results in prayer, and that you will have a better understanding of prayer so that your prayer life can go to another level. The leaders, the pastors that we raised up here that stood up just a few minutes ago, I know all of them personally, and I've observed all of them personally, and they all are supermen, and they are superwomen. And their superpower is prayer. I have seen them pray when they are two, when they are three, when they are 20, when they are 200. I've seen them pray in good times, in bad times, in challenging times. I've seen them pray at all times. Their superpower is not money, is not connections, it's not politics, it's not experience. For heaven's sake, it's not even age. Their superpower is prayer. As they pray, they have mastered the art of prayer and they are able to get into the realms of prayer and do wonderful, glorious things. The things that they have done, the things that they have achieved, the places that they have gone have all been a result of prayer. So as a Christian, make a resolve, make it your your heart's beat, your, your desire, your passion that you will be a man, a woman of outstanding prayer, that you'll be a man, a woman who will, who will pray when everything else fails, who will pray and move the heavens in prayer. You should make it your point that every day you are in prayer, not occasionally, not when you're feeling good, but this is your habit. This is who you are. You pray. Amen. Amen. Because without prayer, you will not achieve what God has predestined for you. And with prayer, you'll have the speed of God. You'll have the grace of God. You will quickly fulfill the purpose of God. So, pray at all angles for all things. Pray for your family, your loved ones, your spouse, your children, your, your, your general big, long, extended family. Pray for them. God answers prayer. Of all the family people that you pray for, God will answer you and he will show you his goodness in their lives. I've been praying and I do pray for my family. I've been praying and I do pray for all our pastors' family. And, and God has been blessing me not only to lead pastors to the Lord, but to lead their, their parents, their moms, their dads to the Lord. 
and to see them come into the ministry and serve the Lord and uh, and uh, and just uh, and just bless God. I ha I've, I've had a great joy a few years ago. I've, I've led so many pastors uh, to the Lord and, and and their parents, but I'm just reminded the joy I had when I led Pastor Fred's dad to the Lord many many years ago, and uh, and uh, he came to the Lord. But I'm reminded because just last month I led one of our pastors, Charles, his father, to the Lord as well. And all that is a result of prayer because I'm praying for them. I'm pray they are praying for their loved ones. God answers prayer, so let us pray. Amen. Let us also pray for the future. Let us pray for where we're going. Let us pray for what God is doing. Let us pray for what God is releasing in our midst. Let us pray for the now, but let us also pray for tomorrow. Because you see, God holds tomorrow in his hands. And when we pray, we release that which God has predestined for us into our lives lives. If you don't pray for your tomorrow, you are, you are missing out on releasing what God has predestined for you. Let us pray that we may, we may release the tomorrow that God has for us. Your tomorrow is literally created in the place of prayer. You can determine where you're going to go. You can determine what you're going to do. You can determine what you're going to achieve. You can determine your tomorrow at the place of prayer prayer. As you pray, you order things to fall in place. You order things to work themselves out and you order things to simply align. So let us remember not only to pray for those in our lives, but let us also remember to pray for our future, the destiny of your children, the destiny of your, of your family, the tomorrow that God has predestined for you, the things that you do, pray and release that tomorrow. Let us also remember that as we pray, it's our mandate that we may pray so that we can usher the will of God on the earth. I'm talking about praying for our nation. I'm talking about praying for our city. Every time you pray, pray for your city. Pray for your nation. Pray for where God has placed you. Because as you pray for where God has placed you, you activate the grace of God in your environment. And as the blessing of God is on your city, so will that blessing be upon you. As the city goes, so do the inhabitants therein. When there's peace in the land, that peace is in your home as well. When there's war in the land, that war will find you at home as well. So let us remember to also pray for our city, to pray for our nation, to pray for where God has placed us. Because we are the light in that darkness. And as we pray, we can, we can stay the execution of the attacks of the enemy and we can release the grace and the glory and the goodness of God in the place that God has placed us. You're in your workplace, you are the ambassador in that place. Pray. Pray for your, your workmates, pray, pray for your boss, pray for your uh, uh, colleagues, pray for, pray for that work, that business. Because as you pray, you're releasing that grace of God in that place. That's why God has placed you there. That you may pray and release his grace and release his goodness and, he, and release his glory there. Amen. Let us also remember to pray for our pastors, for our leaders. The Bible says that they labor so much to bring so much for us. Let us open our hearts and our spirits and pray for them. Every day you pray, do not leave your prayer chamber without praying for your pastor and the entire team and Bishop Fred and all the ministers pray for them every day because as you pray for them God not only answers your prayer but God opens your heart opens your spirit to receive the gift that he has given you 
I know you love all the wonderful world evangelists and they're good and bless them and pray for them. But you know what? This is your world evangelist. This is, your, this is your man of God. This is your woman of God. This is the angel of the house. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, David said that uh, he was going to war, but his uh, general said, we can't allow you to go to war because if you die, the whole lamp of Israel has been snuffed out. And they said, David, you stay. We will fight. We will do whatever it takes. We will protect and we will sustain you. We don't need you in any kind of trouble or to expose you. That is why you must pray for your spiritual leaders. That's why you must pray for your pastor every day. Hallelujah. Every day because the prayer that you pray for them, God multiplies it and brings it back to you and blesses you and opens up your situation. So every day on a, on, on a daily, you should, you should literally pray for your spiritual leaders every day so that you can enjoy the blessing of God. All right, guys, we're in the book of, um, we're in the book, this morning we're going to go to the book of, um, let's go to the book of Acts. We're going to go to the book of Acts this morning. And get into the word this morning. We're going to go to the book of Acts. We're going to start at chapter 12. That is where we're going to get started. We'll be in the book of Acts, chapter 12. We'll start reading at verse 1. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. If you're not yet there, say not yet. Okay, we'll give you one second there. We want to go to the book of Acts and uh, we will get into the word this beautiful, beautiful day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. We are in verse 1. The Bible declares, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much it pleased the Jews, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration, then imprisoned him, placing him under guard of four squads for four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church, the church prayed very earnestly. Say with me, the church prayed. Come on, say it loudly. The church prayed very earnestly for him. Verse 6, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But at the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through. And started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod. And from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do. 
When he realized that he, when he realized that, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John, Mark, where men were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they said. When they, uh, you're out of your mind, they said. But when she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quieten down and told them how the Lord had let him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. This beautiful day, we want to talk about fervent prayer. There are all kinds of prayer. There are all kinds of situations and, situa uh, and circumstances that require different kinds of prayer. Today, as we talk about fervent prayer, we're talking about the prayer that must bring results quickly, suddenly, in situations that are dire. There are situations that are not dire, situations that can wait, situations that can uh, be postponed. And then there are situations that must happen now. It is a do or die circumstance, a do or die situation. In such situations, we need the kind of prayer that is fervent, a fervent kind of prayer. A prayer that is uh, on fire, a prayer that must get results quickly, a prayer that must get answers, a prayer that moves the heavens, a prayer that levels mountains, a prayer that must get results. Fervent prayer is critical. We see here that the church was in a difficult, dire situation. Their leaders are being picked off picked apart one by one. James has been killed and the Jews are celebrating and then they, they lock up Peter as well. When Peter has been locked up, everyone is looking forward to the trial and they want to make it quick so that they can get rid of Peter. The Bible says, however, the church prayed fervently. The church did not take this as a multiple option. The church did not think tomorrow will do. The church realized that we must get a breakthrough right here and there's no time to wait around. So they had a fervent prayer. This fervent prayer was such that Peter may be delivered, was such that God may answer right away, was such that help may come from the throne room immediately. This was a dire situation. It was not, it was not, uh, it was not uh, a, a, a celebration kind of situation. It was a situation that needed God to move quickly, needed God to move suddenly, and needed God to answer. This fervent prayer is so important. This prayer is so critical because as a believer, there comes a time where you need God to come through for you. There are times, there are times you need God to answer. There are times the, the world will not suffice. There are times your connections will not get the job done. There are times your relatives will not get the job done. There are times your money cannot give you what you're looking for. There are times the circumstance needs a divine intervention. There are times where only God and God alone can make a difference. And this is where Peter found himself. James has just been actually killed. Killed properly with a sword, the Bible says. He was completely, totally killed, slaughtered. It was a done deal. It was over. And now here is Peter. Uh, he's the next guy, next up. 
He had to be delivered. Therefore, the church needed to have that fervent prayer. What is fervent prayer? Fervent prayer is the prayer that we pray from our spirits, from our hearts, a prayer that stretches our spirits, stretches our hearts, a prayer that stretches our faith, a prayer that causes us to be stretched out, to stretch out tightly in prayer, to stretch out so tightly in prayer that you feel like you're about to be ripped apart. Sometimes you pray and you feel you're in control. Sometimes you pray and you feel you've got this figured out. But then there are times you pray when it is not you who's figured it out, but you are stretching your spirit so that God can come through on your behalf. Fervent prayer is the prayer that is so passionate, that is so heartfelt, you feel that stretch in your spirit. You feel that move in your spirit. You feel that push in your spirit. Many times you pray with your head, and that is wonderful. But in this fervent prayer, it is not with your head, it is with your spirit. Sometimes you pray and you're, you're quoting scripture, and you're, you're praying with your head, and you're using your understanding, you're using your agreement, and you've got your wits about yourself. But that's not fervent prayer. Fervent prayer is crazy. Fervent prayer is heartfelt. Fervent prayer, you feel like you're dying. People who look at you, they think you're crazy. That's the same fervent prayer that the Bible talks about in Luke 18, when the Bible says the woman was crazy because the way she prayed, it was not common sense. It was not the mind. It was not the theology. It was not the, the, the scriptures. She was praying with her spirit like she is about to die and she has gone beyond the limits and has gone to the level where God must come through for her. Today, I want to encourage you. You must learn how to activate and to engage that gear of fervent prayer. Are the wheels coming off the bus? That is not the time to be in control. That is the time to lose control in prayer. That is the time to come to God stretching your faith, stretching your spirit, believing God to do something that only God can do. You need to stretch your heart, stretch your spirit, stretch your soul so that at the end of the day you release out of your spirit that fervent prayer. The Bible says, they prayed fervently. Fervent prayer begins things in the spirit. You know, there are things that you must begin in the spirit. Sometimes you wait for things to happen, but then there are times you begin things. Sometimes you can't wait for the things to happen. You get into the realm of the spirit and begin them. You command the heavens, and that's what the Bible says. Concerning the work of my hands, command me. God Almighty has given grace so that in the place of prayer, when you engage the level of fervent prayer, you can command things and begin them. You can command buildings and begin them. You can command churches and begin them. You can command businesses and begin them. You can release and begin things in the realm of the spirit because you understand that you've got the power to create. Don't forget the power of life and death is in your tongue and in the place of prayer you engage a gear where you start things are things not going according to plan you can get into that realm of fervent prayer and start things and engage things and release things that is what happened with the church in acts here the bible says that when they began to pray they began a move in the realm of the spirit the angels began to move the angels began to go building 
things began to shake. God began to act because fervent prayer had actually started things. It had started things and got them going. That's what the Bible tells us about Daniel. He says the angel appeared to Daniel and said, Daniel, the day you began to pray, heaven dispatched me. Somebody needs to dispatch heaven. Somebody needs to dispatch angels. Somebody needs to release the hand of God and let it begin to work in your situation. The angel did not say this was my idea. The angel said, Daniel, the day you began to pray, I received my matching orders. God began to tell me. God began to send me. God dispatched me to come on that day because fervent prayer begins things. I don't know what things you're dealing with. I don't know what is going right and going wrong, but I know you can start something today. I, I, I don't know what the devil has been stealing and doing and confusing, but I know you can start something today. I don't know what's been happening in your family with your children, but I know you can start something today. I don't know what's been happening with your business and your career, but I know you can start something today. I don't know what's been happening in your neighborhood and in your district, but I know if you can have fervent prayer, you can start something today. You can get it started in the realm of the spirit. The second thing is that fervent prayer takes charge of the spirit realm. You see, certain things are allowed to happen and they happen when they happen. But when we have fervent prayer, we don't just allow things to happen. We, we take charge of what is happening and we demand and we set the mood. We set the atmosphere of what is going to happen. We take charge. This little group of believers took charge of a prison that was miles away. They took charge over the whole place. They took over that entire place in prayer. In the physical, the guards were doing nothing. There was someone else doing all the work. That's why the Bible says, unless the Lord builds, they that labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, they stay up in vain. Because there's a realm of the spirit. And if we can take charge in the realm of the spirit, what is happening in the natural, they are just dummies following. They're just, they're just dummies following. They can't help it. The Bible says that Peter had been locked up and he was between two guards and those squadrons and there were guards with all kinds of weapons and they had tied him up onto themselves. It was all useless. Someone had taken charge in the spirit. Someone was organizing what's happening in the spirit. Someone was determining who is early and who is late. Someone was determining who is going to be fired and who is going to be laid off. Someone on their knees was rearranging, taking charge in the realm of the spirit. That's why I came to tell you today, don't think your prayers are empty words. Those are not empty empty words to the sky. You're not speaking to air. If you know how to connect with God in the place of fervent prayer, you become a king maker. You stay in your bedroom and you determine who's sitting on the throne. You stay in your bedroom and you determine who is getting the promotion. You stay in your prayer chamber and you are determining what is happening and what is going on because fervent prayer takes charge. You know, you're waiting for the situation 
to change. What you need to understand is that you've got charge over the situation and you can change the situation. When you step it up in prayer, it is you who takes charge over the, uh, the spiritual atmosphere, which in turn affects the natural atmosphere and you take charge over it. Nothing goes, nothing is done, nothing is permitted, nothing is refused, nothing is accepted. Uh, Except, except that which you have decided because you have taken charge. You know many times we are asking God to take over. But God is saying I am going to take over but I am going to take over using you. You are my way of taking over. We are saying God take charge. And God is saying yeah I am taking charge but uh, the way I take charge is by putting you in charge so that in the realm of the spirit you determine what is going on there. Hallelujah. You know the board may have decided but you also have a decision you can decide. You see the elders may have decided but you also have a decision. You can make a decision in the spirit and take charge and in the place of prayer what you have determined is what is going to be done. God almighty has said unto you whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you need joy? You can take charge and release joy. Do you need victory? You can take charge and release victory because in the place of prayer, you take charge. You see, these were little men, little women in their little prayer meeting, but you know what? The guards with their swords and their weapons could not withstand them. Hallelujah. Because in the realm of the spirit, these men took charge. They took over. They determined what was going to happen. Effectual prayer, effectual fervent prayer always takes charge. Hallelujah. God has placed you in charge. When you pray, you're in charge. You're in charge over those kids. Don't let them do rubbish. Don't let them go astray. You're in charge over them. Don't pray like you're suggesting. God has given them to you. You are their father. You determine their tomorrow. Put your foot down in the realm of the spirit. Anoint them with oil. Pray over them day and night. And they will become what God has predestined for them to become. When you take charge. Hallelujah. Prayer is not a suggestion. You know, when you're still praying the prayers of suggestion, you are at the entry level. God, if you want, maybe, I don't know, God, it's up to you. Those are useless prayers. Those are useless prayers. It's not up to you. It's not a prayer of up to you. It is a prayer of it must be done now. It must be done now. Benson Idahosa, one of my good, good, good mentors, is uh, 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 going to be with the Lord now. A Nigerian man, Benson Idahosa, my good mentor, he says he was called by God to pray. His superpower was prayer. If you have been listening to Benson Idahosa, you'd have realized my words that I was not speaking my own words. I'm speaking words that I have received. Benson Idahosa was called by Oral Roberts because they were building a university and they had no money. They'd run out of money. They needed $10 million in one week. All the evangelists and all the pastors from America gathered to pray. And they gathered and prayed and prayed and nothing was happening. On the last day, Benson Idahosa had about it. And he jumped onto a plane. He told Oral Roberts, send me that plane. They picked him up. He arrived at the prayer chamber. He arrived and here were all these men of God praying in whispers, praying suggestions. 
God, if you want, God, if you could, maybe you can, maybe you should. If it pleases you, yeah, yeah. And then we think we are very humble. Lord, if it pleases you, if it pleases you. Based on his horse walked in, he says he was embarrassed. He told them, shut up. He was a Nigerian man, I said, did I? He was an aggressive man. When I say Nigerian, what I mean is aggressive. He was an aggressive Nigerian man and he was a big man. He was massive. He was tall and he was massive. Matter of fact, his clothes were so massive when he'd walk here, he would fill the whole place. He would just fill this, all this space. He would fill, fill everything up. Hallelujah. He walked in there and said, you're praying. What are you doing here? You're praying. All these suggestions, God could be, maybe, should be, if you want, if it pleases, if you see it fit. Benson did the house and say, shut up. Now, Oral Roberts writes the story in his book. He says, Benson in the house stood in one place and prayed for three hours without moving. He said, it's as if someone had taken 20 gallons of water and poured all over the whole carpet. He prayed and everyone shut up and listened. And he said he did not ask. He commanded. He took charge and commanded. He said his prayers were so bold and so aggressive. Everyone thought that this man is full of pride. After four hours and sweating jerrycans of water. Four hours of commanding. Money come. Come wherever you are. Come now, come here. I'm not leaving. I'm not going. And I have to go, but you must come before I go. This man prayed. After four hours, he said, Amen. It's been done. As he's walking up, walking out, someone comes with a phone running. He says, We have just received a phone call from Saudi Arabia. There is a sheikh, a Muslim. He wants to send $10 million now. To build the kingdom of God. You keep praying if prayers. Lord, if you want, you can be my wife. If you want, if Lord, if you want, she's she's Lord, she's a good girl. If you want, if if you if you want effectual prayer, they don't suggest, they command. They don't propose, they command. They don't suggest, they command. The situation you're dealing with, stop proposing. When you're on the level of proposing, you're just misbehaving. You need to get to a level of commanding. You need to get to the level of demanding. You need to get to the level of taking charge. You need to get to the level of saying it is going to be done. It's going to be done now. There is no option. There is no suggestion. This is what God has called us to do. And we are going to do it the way it should be done. There is no two ways about it. See, the reason why we pray if prayers is because our faith is an if faith and we are not sure. So we don't want to be embarrassed. So we pray an if prayer just in case it does not happen. I say, oh, we are just human. We are just human. We can only go so far. We can only do so much. We are just human. May you get out of the realm of just human and get to the realm of God. May you get out of the realm of we can do so much and get to the realm where you can do all things. May you come out of the realm of maybe I could and get to a place where I can, I will do all things. Him who gives me strength is by my side. Therefore, he's not running out of strength and I will stand in his strength. Stop suggesting. And you see, you see, if it doesn't happen, we are not looking at you anyway. 
you're thinking that our eyes are on you. So if it does not happen, you will be embarrassed. I want you to know we are not looking at you. So when it's not done, you will not be embarrassed. And when it is done, it is not about you. You see, we, we want it to be about us uh, so that when it is done, everybody can say, you are all this and a bag of chips. I came to tell you, you ain't nothing. Without God, you ain't nothing. And we didn't come to see you. We came to see the God in you. And we don't need to see you. We want to see the God in you. We don't want to hear you. We want to hear the God in you. We don't want to follow you. We want to follow the God in you. That is why we can confidently say in him we live in him we move in him we have our being because it's not about you thank you for your connections thank you for the phone contacts thank you for the money but it's not about you thank you for the connections but it's not about your connection thank you for the ideas it's not about your ideas thank you for your strategy it's not about your strategy it is about God he says through our God we shall do violently because it is he who will pull down the enemy if God hadn't come through for us let Israel say let King Touch say let Israel say if God hadn't come through for us we would have been swallowed therefore forgive me if it's not about me forgive me if it's not about my ideas God is bigger I said God is great grander. I said God is greater. I said God is stronger. What is the arm of flesh? I am not interested in anything fleshy, anything earthly because it is none of that. That is why I must take charge in the realm of the spirit. He says, I've called you gods. If God Almighty gives you grace and he says you are his child. So he's given you the boldness and the confidence and he's called you gods. That's what it means to be Christian. Christian means you're a small Christ. And if Christ is God, then you're a small God. Now don't take it to the extreme. I'm not trying to get you to run into a cult. All I'm trying to tell you is take charge. Don't sit back and wait for everything. God has given you the grace and the wisdom and is commanding you to take charge. Take charge over that finance. Take charge over that family. Take charge over that business. Take charge over that land. Take charge over that situation. Are the wheels coming off the bus? You can be fervent. You can be honest in prayer. And you can take charge. The world is always waiting. Always looking for someone to take charge. That's what the Bible says. It says the world, the earth, all creation is groaning. What are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? Are they waiting for if prayers? Are they waiting for suggested prayer? Are they waiting for you're not sure? I don't know. I am not sure. Are they waiting for a humble man? All of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. They are waiting for the manifestation 
generation of the children of God. That What does that mean? The sons of God are those that act like God, behave like God, take charge like God. That's what sons of God is. Sons of God is not your name. I am Moses. I am Musa. I, I am Elisa. No, no. Sons of God, you show up and say, I have come in the name of he that sent me. He that told me, say to me, such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He that sent me told me that I should come and heal the sick, cast out devils, and bring deliverance. I'm not coming in my name, doing my thing, in my way, at my time. That's why he says, behold I come. In the book it's been written of me. Behold I come. In the book it's been written of me. As the book says of you, so you come. Does the book say you're a victor? You come as a victor. Does the book say you're an overcomer? You come as an overcomer. Does the book say you're a worshiper? You come as a worshiper. Does the book say you can do all things? Stop saying you can do some things. You cannot just do some things on Monday night. You cannot just do some things on Sunday morning. Somebody help me here. You cannot just do some things on Friday night. He says, I can do all, all things through Christ that strengthens me. Effectual prayer. You take charge. Stop, stop giving, delegating your authority. This is the trouble that happened in the garden. Instead of taking charge, Adam is delegating. Instead of taking charge, Eve is delegating. Adam, what's going on there? I don't know. But the woman you gave me, she's the one who knows. Eve, what's going on there? I don't know. The serpent was, I, I don't know. Stop saying you don't know. Put your foot down and say, I know what is going on here. I know whose I am and I know who I am. That is what Paul said. I come because of the God whose I am and I therefore I know who I am. Stop trying to be to be humble and, 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 and delegating your authority. You want your neighbor to run your house. You want the dog to run your house. You want the cleaner to run your business. You need to stand your ground and take charge and declare this is what is going to be done and I'm going to release it in the natural, in the spirit. I'm going to release it in prayer. I'm going to demand it in prayer. I take charge of the heavenlies. I take charge of the earth. I take charge of all that's under the earth. What I decree is done. What I demand is done. I am not at the back. I am at the very forefront and I'm taking over. I said I'm taking over. Amen. Effectual, effective prayer takes charge. So reserve your humble prayers for some Sunday school meetings. Hallelujah. But be careful because some Sunday schools, they won't tolerate that. The kids will put you in line. They say, that's not how we pray here. Oh yeah. Reserve those, 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 those unsure prayers. Oh God, you know we are sheep. And we are very hopeless. But the good thing is that we are your sheep. I said, what sheep of mine? What sheep are you? God, you know we are hopeless. 
Without you, we are very, very hopeless. God says, please, another channel. This, this one is not working. It, next, this one is boring. God, you know, if we could, we would. Because our hearts are pure. You can see my heart. Therefore, I give you my heart. And Lord, you know, I'm, I'm your humble servant. Yours truly, your humble servant. <laughs> Sincerely yours. <laughs> There's, there, I know, I know. And, and you know, I used to think about that in Tanzania. But then I realized, no, that's not the truth. I used to think that the Tanzanian people are, are humble. Okay? Because I've been to places where when you receive them, they are very humble. Yes. That someone works in Malawi. They are very humble. Not here. Don't deceive me that you are humble. I know you. After all these years, I figured you out. They smile and say, Bishop, do you want to go? It means you're going now. <laughs> Especially the women. Brothers. Brothers. Don't be deceived. You've been deceived all these years. There is no option. Especially the women. Say, Bishop, do you want to go? What it means is, you're going now. I don't know why you're late. You better get going. Huh? And then Pastor Fred told me, you don't know. The key word is aggressive. I said, but I don't see it. And then he says, because there's another word. Passive aggressive. Brother, brother. She's humble, yes. She's very humble. She's very sweet. She's very sweet. But don't be deceived. She's very passive. Don't be deceived. You're going to finish that food. You're going to finish it. Eh? You better eat everything. Go wash hands. Eat everything. Put fork aside. You're finishing that food. <laughs> The first time I encountered Tanzanian women, I said, Pastor Fred, they are so humble and sweet. He just kept shaking his head. <laughs> Especially when they are small. <laughs> huh? Especially when they are small. Those ones are the worst, brother. You think you're marrying a small one? You can bully her around. You think you'll be sending her around every day? There is a key word you need to take note. If you're not married, brothers, write these two words. Passive aggressive. Put the word aggressive in capitals and underline. What am I saying? If you can be if you can be aggressive in your personal life and you take charge, you must use the same aggressiveness in the realm of the spirit in the place of prayer and take charge. Take over. That is if that is what we call fervent prayer. It takes charge. Hallelujah. Amen. Number four. Number four, not only does it take charge. Number four, it moves heavens. It moves heavens. You know, there are times you pray. And if you were God, you'd, you'd, you'd say, eh, now one, let him keep praying. Have you been there? If you were God answering prayer, they show you your prayer. Will you answer? 
just for one second, you're God. You're sitting on throne, big, big throne. Gold everywhere. Don't pocket gold, you're God. Amen? God does not pocket gold. He's walking on it. Eyes off the gold. You're God. You're sitting on golden throne. Cherubims everywhere. They show your daughter down in Kijito Nyama. Praying. Can you answer that prayer? Huh? Does your prayer move heaven? Does the prayer touch the heart of God? Does the prayer connect with God? Does the prayer release heaven? Huh? Or do you pray these TikTok prayers? You know TikTok prayers? Quick, quick, plus Jesus minus devil. Amen. Huh? Does your prayer move heaven? Huh? Does your prayer get an affirmative action? Is your prayer persuasive? Huh? Is your prayer the heaven moving kind? Or is your prayer the by the way kind? There's the by the way. Prayer. Oh God, by the way. Um, uh, by the way. Yeah, by, by the way. If you find time, if you're not so busy, by the way. Is your prayer the by the way kind? Or is your prayer the mountain moving kind? The heaven moving kind. The Bible tells us of Peter. Peter is going to a city and as he comes in, he finds a lady who's just passed away. What's her name? Dorcas. Yep, the cloth maker. The Bible says they came to her and they demanded that she be raised from the dead. They persuaded Peter. They said this one cannot die. In these past few months, this one cannot die. In these past few years, this is our apostle. This is the one who's been working. This one cannot die. They began to pray like crazy. So bad, they went home and began to bring all the things she had done. She's the one who made this. She's the one who made that. She's the one who made the other. She's the one. They are putting their heart and their passion and their spirit into it. Huh? Heaven moving prayer is loaded with heart. Is loaded with passion. Is loaded with everything you've got. It is persuasive. It means business. It means business. It means results. It is not a by the way kind of prayer. It's the kind of prayer that says, I mean business. <laughs> I think I've, I, I probably not told you this, but many years ago, you all know Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin wrote a story of how one of the church elders died. He was the big church elder who was a big giver, a big mover. Every conference, everything was being done by this guy. The guy died. When the guy died, he's gone to heaven. Kenneth Hagin begins to pray. I'm talking about mountain moving prayer. He began to pray and say, God, this guy must resurrect. We need him back here. We need him back here. We need him back here. If you take him, we will close the church. Because look at the budget. He went, got budget statements. Bank statements. All this is prayer. Have you ever taken your bank statements to God? Yeah. Took bank statements. Printed them out. Took contracts. Have you ever taken your contracts to God? Took letters. Complaint letters. Have you ever taken your complaint letters to God? Kenneth Hagin printed a whole file in prayer. He's locked up with a dead man in his house praying, saying, God, he must come back to life. If he does not, you might as well close the church. He called the secretary and said, we are closing the church next week. If nothing happens, we are closing this church. After 10 
after about eight, eight, eight hours, the man came back to life. This went on for eight hours. After eight hours, Kenneth Hagin got the man who's been dead, threw him on the wall and said, come back to life. The wife is hearing things falling. The first time he didn't come back. Second time, boom, on the wall. The wife is here. What's, uh, what's going on in there? Don't worry, we are praying. Third time, boom. The guy came back to life. He was mad. He said, Kenneth Hagin. I had arrived. Why are you calling me back? And he says, I was with Jesus. He was giving me a tour of heaven. As he was showing me my mansion before we settled in, an angel came running saying, Jesus, you must see this. Kenneth Hagin, this man's pastor, is praying. He has refused to release him. He's demanding that he comes back to life now. And the angels are standing. What do we do? How do we do? Those eight hours was hours of what do we do? How do we do? Things got out of control when he began throwing the body on the wall. <laughs> Jesus said, you've got to go now. You've got to go now. You've got to go now. Some of you pray like you don't want Sometimes you pray like you don't want. Let me not talk about, let me not talk about you dying. Because if you die, your pastor might say, Lord, behold, the Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away. Let thy servant rest in peace. Huh? Because the heart is not there. Problem solved. Lord, I know you work in mysterious ways. <laughs> This is your pastor. Lord, I ask you to remove my burdens. I know you work in mysterious ways. But we embrace your vision. We embrace your calling. That should not be your story. But fervent prayer is heartfelt. Your spirit, your heart is in it. I'm tired of these professional prayer warriors. Very professional, straight face. Say, Lord, we cry to you. Where are the tears? When the last time you cried? You, you. When's the last? Lord, we cry to you. And we know that you hear us sometimes. Huh? Pro professional. If you're talking tears, I want tears, man. If you're going crazy, I want crazy. I want evidence of crazy. If you're serious, I want evidence of serious. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, heaven moving prayer. Is the kind that connects with the heart of God. Huh? Have you ever connected with the heart of your child? Have you ever connected with the heart of your father? Heaven moving prayer. Your spirit, your heart connects with the heart of God. There is a direct, the word is they sink. They just sink. Your heart sinks with the heart of God. That's what the Bible says about David. He had a heart that was synced with God's own heart. In other words, it was in step with God's heartbeat. So what God was up about, that's what David was up about. And his heart and his spirit was so synced with God, he's not doing his thing. He's connecting with heaven. Fervent prayer, we must sync our hearts, our spirits with God.
What does he want? That's what we want. What is he saying? That's what we're saying. What is he doing? That's what we're doing. Where is he going? That's where we're going. What is his heartbeat about? That is what our heartbeats are about. What is keeping him thinking and, and what are we thinking about? Those two should be the same. What is his mind about? What is his plan about? What is he revealing? What is he revealing and, and manifesting at such a time as this? That is what our hearts and minds and spirits should be all about. Synced with God. No, the Bible says, as they prayed, as they prayed, the Bible declares God sent his angels. The night before Peter was to be placed, he was sleeping, fastened with two chains between two guards, stood guard. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter. Heaven had started to move. Heaven was moving, dispatching his resources. That should be your portion as well. That as you fervently pray, heaven will dispatch his resources for you and bring his grace to you and come through on your behalf. <laughs> Many years ago, we were in Mozambique and uh, we were preaching the gospel and we went with a team and we were stuck in Mozambique. We were going and, and the tracks broke down in the middle of the night. And we had a, a team of about 20 people. There were Malawians, Ugandans, Americans, and, and we were deep in Mozambique. And the tracks were broken down in a bad place. And they had already prepared us and they told us in some areas, Mozambique people eat people. Wow. And we were stuck there. And the crowds began to peep from afar, waiting for the clock to get dark. And then our American friends began to talk about the stories they had read of being eaten. <laughs> and the women began to cry. And the women began to cry. Say, tell you anybody, they began to cry. I don't want to be eaten. I don't want to be eaten in Africa. It is four o'clock. We have been on the road for four hours. We are waiting. We are waiting. No car is coming. No car is coming. We trying to communicate and they say, no, no car has come here in, in weeks. No, no, there's nothing coming. We began to pray. The Americans and the missionary team began to pray. It is now six o'clock. Those who are praying are saying, let's begin to walk. I said, how do you walk for 10 hours? We can't talk. We can't do anything. It is now 7 o'clock. Suddenly the lights came on and I realized our friends, they are wonderful people. They have never been in such a situation. And I realized that I was the commanding officer on the mission. <laughs> and I realized if I don't take charge, this thing is going down the, the drain quickly. I began to pray. I said, God, I don't know how. We must be out of here in the next 30 minutes. Suddenly, a man came out of the bush. He came speaking in tongues. That's what it sounded like to me. No one could understand what he was saying. We had interpreters. We had four interpreters. No one could understand what he's saying. And he's speaking in tongues and speaking in tongues and he disappears. And I tell them, get ready. We're about to go. And they say, why? I said, we're about to go. Five minutes later, he came back from the bush with a stick. You know a stick? He put a stick on one truck, tied it with banana leaf. You know banana leaf? To another truck. And said, go. We drove for 10 hours. 
a stick and banana leaf. We understood the testimony on the way back because the crusade was beautiful and glorious. But while we were there, we began to receive testimony. The village had been watching and they were preparing panga for white meat. They do not know the man who came because he's not from their village. No one knew the language he was speaking. That's why I said he's speaking tongues. I insisted you knew his language. They said no. No one knew his language. But why I knew this was the angel of the Lord, when we arrived, the banana leaf and the stick were broken. But they were still on the truck. We towed a truck of three tons with banana leaf and a stick. When you pray, heaven begins to come. <laughs> you think you're meeting someone. You're meeting angel. You have no clue. You see, we think angel comes with wings. That is in Hollywood. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is, is X-Men, X-Fly. Those are the gangsters, the X-Men and the Iron Man. All those men, they are the ones with wings. The heavens, angels, they don't need wings. When Jesus came, he didn't need wings. He just goes through the building. Huh? They just go through the building. The testimony we received after of the people they have eaten in that village. Up years later, every time I would go through the same place. The testimony, two weeks ago they ate three. Four weeks ago they ate five. We have to take the gospel. That's why we keep going back. <laughs> Hallelujah. What am I saying? There is a prayer that moves heaven. There's a realm where you, you, you're the one in charge. But I tell you, when, when 20 lives are at stake, you better know how to pray. And you better connect with heaven. When 20 lives are at stake, we need a prayer that moves heaven. This is what happened here. The Bible says, <laughs> the angel of the Lord descended. The angel of the Lord descended. That means fervent prayer has now moved the heavens. The heavens are moving, working, moving with you, doing with you, fulfilling the purpose that must be fulfilled, working in that situation. It is not you doing it. Hallelujah. Some of the things that we have to do are impossible in human strength. In human ability, human wisdom, they are impossible. You need God. You need heaven to back up what you are doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number four, five, fervent prayer hears God. Now, this is critical. This is very critical. The heavens are going to move on your behalf and angels will be dispatched to work for you and, 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 and angels will do things that you have no clue where possible and you'll just find when God is already made a way for you. Just here, the Bible says the angel went before Peter. And everywhere they got, the doors would open by themselves and close. Open and close. Open and close. Until he came through. The chains that were binding him, holding him, just fell off by themselves. Because the angel had come through. God had released heaven. And now we were functioning. Not according to the economy of earth. We are functioning at the economy of heaven. There is a realm where the Holy Spirit is just released the resources of heaven. And if you've been around enough, you begin to understand the manifestations of angels. 
there are manifestations where it's now not man just doing it. It's not the way of man. But now heaven has descended and the angel of the, of the Lord is doing that which he must do. It's not you doing it. You know there's a level and a realm at which you can do. Then there's a realm and a level where only God can do. And it dispatches the resource of heaven. Number five, we hear God. This is very critical. Because you see, in prayer, if you don't hear God, you're a blind man who doesn't know where you're going. Hearing God is how we keep step with the Spirit. The Bible says, keep step with the Spirit. The Bible says, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But the scripture I love, it says, keep in step with the Spirit. What that means is, have you seen a marching band? They march. Everyone keeps step. They say, left. Right. How do we say that in Swahili? The soldiers know it. I, I hear that when our Tanzanian soldiers are marching. And all the soldiers in Uganda march in Swahili. Hallelujah. Amen. They don't march in English. They march in Swahili. Shoto, 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 kuli. Everyone must keep in step. How do you keep in step with the spirit? By hearing God. If you're not hearing God, you can't keep in step because you'll be on right when God is on left. You'll be starting and God has ended. You will be ending when God is starting. You'll be coming when God has not yet started. He has not even come. You will pack your bags and God is just arriving. You are in your own schedule doing your own thing. How you keep in step with the spirit, how you keep synced with the spirit is you must keep hearing God. That is Abraham. God says to him, go sacrifice your son Isaac. And he gets him and grabs him and they go up the mountain. Moriah, they are marching, hearing God. They get to the altar and God says to Abraham, put him on the offering, put him on the altar. And he puts him on the altar and he says, light the fire. The fire is ready. He's still in step with the spirit and he's still walking with the spirit. He raises as his dagger to slice his throat and the match of the spirit changes. It says, oh, Abraham, now I know that you fear God. Harm not the boy. If Abraham does not keep in step with the spirit, his killing boy asking for miracle of resurrection. Huh? That's why we must keep hearing God. That's what the Bible says. Peter is sleeping and then suddenly he hears a voice. Say, Peter, 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 Peter. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. Huh? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> like when Muse is sleeping and you want to steal his remote. <laughs> when you touch it a little bit like this, chup! Who gave you my remote? Who told you you can touch remote? I'm still watching. I'm still watching TV. Who told you that you can touch remote? Uh, bring blanket, cover me. But who told you you can touch remote? You must keep hearing. You must keep hearing God. Keep hearing the voice of God. Of all the skills you need in prayer is the skill to hear the voice of God. You know, we were praying on Tuesday, on on Wednesday, one of those days at the office, and uh, and and many of the leaders here. Have, have, you people don't know it, but I've been with you so long. I I know you, even in prayer, I know you. And some of you, are, even when I'm not here with you praying, I hear you in the spirit praying. 
that day I was praying and I began to tell people, you were praying like this, praying like that. And they were saying, you couldn't hear me because they think I can't hear them. And I tell them I know them. Just like Pastor Nema. I know you, all of you, the leaders, you know how that, that woman prays. When he says, hey, <laughs> you know it is beginning. <laughs> it is just beginning. <laughs> huh? You see, if I can close my eyes and recognize Nema's voice when there are 500 people, I know her voice. I'm talking about hearing God. You should be able to hear the voice of God that when there are 500 people screaming, you can hear God. Beyond the noise, beyond the politics, beyond the football, beyond the fanfare, the noise of all the chaos, all the confusion, this prophet, that prophet, minor this, minor that, major this, and all, all that chaos, you should be able to sing around the voice of God and say, oh, that's the voice of God. That's the voice of God. Because hearing God is how you sync with the realm of the spirit. That's how you sync with God. That's how you do your shoto. Shoto. That's how you do your match. You match with God. Shoto clear. Shoto clear. By hearing God. Many years ago we were in, in, uh, in, um, we were in uh, Mbeya in the south. We were in Mbeya. We drove from Malawi. Uh, pa Pastor Nema was no, no, it was Pastor Nora and Pastor Fred and, uh, and, uh, and the Lutheran Church had a big, big conference there. So we went for the conference. We had a prayer, wonderful prayer thing there going on for a week. After that prayer meeting, we had driven from Malawi. We came by road driving. We are driving, going back. And uh, it was me, my wife, our driver, and, and, and an apostle, a wonderful friend of ours, a big fella, good, good apostle. As we are driving, we are five, seven kilometers away from our city where we are going, just about to arrive. I'm praying in the spirit. Suddenly I hear the voice of God. Suddenly out of nowhere I hear the voice of God and say, God says you're just about to have a bad accident. I said, God, what? And I began to pray and to bind. I said, I bind the spirit of accident. After two minutes, God told me, stop binding the spirit of accident. You're going to have the accident. I want you to tell everyone to put on their seatbelts. You're coming out of this one, but it's happening now. I said, guys, put on your seatbelts. The driver who had been with me for a long time knew I don't speak empty words uh, on empty heads. He quickly put on his seatbelt. My wife who was on my side, I did not give her a minute. I pulled it and put it on her. The apostle who was at the front, he was a big good friend of mine and a good apostle. He said, Bishop, you're not going to scare us. I'm tired of seatbelt. I said, put on your seatbelt now. He said, why? I said, the instruction of the Lord is that this is going to be a good, good deliverance. Put on your seatbelt. Before he could say anything, I pulled his seatbelt and clicked it. The moment it went click, a car came out of nowhere, 140 miles an hour, head-on collusion, cars are spinning. Five minutes later, we all come out, no scratch. No scratch. My apostle began to kneel down, say, I'm so glad you hear God. I'm so glad you hear God. And every time I've met him many, many years later, every time he says, I owe this man my life because he's sitting right at the front. The head-on collusion, the windscreen was all knocked out. The tire car was a wreck. Everything was written off. If you cannot hear God, you will go places you shouldn't go. You will go before your time.
If you cannot hear God, you will do business with people you shouldn't do business with. If you cannot hear God, God will answer your prayer, but you will not see the manifestation thereof because you did not hear the instruction of God. Hallelujah. You will take your hard-earned cash and give it to a crypto player who will play you from here until the cows come home. Because you don't hear God. Fine-tune your ear. Fine-tune your spirit. Peter is sleeping. God is speaking. He can hear. In the middle of the crowd, he can hear. In the jail, he can hear. In church, he can hear. In, in the elevator, he can hear. Wherever you are, you should be able to hear God. Because when you hear God, then suddenly you keep in step with the spirit. When you leave, calamity falls. They say, how did you know? When you arrive, celebration arrives. They say, how did you know? When they cancel you, they cancel themselves. They say, how did you know? When they poison you, you don't drink it. They say, how did you know? Huh? I was talking to a young man at the church and he was telling me how they poisoned him at his workplace for over six months. And they would put the poison in the tea and serve him and watch. And every time he would touch that cup, the Lord would tell him no. And he would put it down. And Do you know the difference between drinking poison and not it is one second from here to here. And the people who are poisoned are all in cohorts and they are watching to make sure you drink it. Huh? After six months, some of them come and confess to him and said, we don't know how. We have poisoned you every week and you have refused to drink. After a month, the Lord told him, don't drink ever again at the office. Ever. After, after one month, before a month, he did not know. It was the Lord leading him. It was the Lord directing him. After a month, the Lord told him in black and white, there's poison everywhere here. They're trying to poison you in your drink, in your tea, in your whatever. Do not drink. And then he told him, don't tell them. Just let them do their thing. So every time they would go to the office, they would serve him. And they would pour the tea. And he would put the sugar. And he would stir it up. And he would lift the cup and put it down. Because you can hear God. Fervent prayer is not just speaking, 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 speaking. There is a realm where your ears have been opened and you can log in and sync with the heavenlies and sync with the grace of God. And now it is not you doing your own thing, but it is you following the instructions of God. Hearing God, being sensitive, being in tune with the spirit, being able not to pray what you want, but you're praying what God wants because you have heard the voice of God. You have locked in with God, you're hearing him. You're not just asking for what you want. Sometimes we pray for what we want. Thank you very much. And you pray for what you've got faith for. Thank you very much. But when you hear God, you stop praying for what you want. You pray the will of God. You say your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but yours be done. If it was up to Jesus, he didn't have to die on that cross. Believe me. He could have still done his thing. I mean, if I was Jesus, I did not need to die on the cross. I would have let them crucify me. And when they put me up, I'll pop nail out, pop nail out, kick nail out, and then levitate and say, what, what you gonna say now? What you, what you gonna say? What you gonna say? What you gonna do? But there comes a time where you say, not my will. 
but yours be done. Not my idea, not my strategy, not my plan. If I can do it, I'll do it this way, my way, at my time, in my methods. But now that I'm doing the will of God, I'm downloading the voice of God. I'm syncing my life with God. I am being led by the Spirit. So I'm in step with the Spirit. So it is not me doing it. Ask Elisha. The Bible says when Naaman came with his clothes loaded with leprosy he wanted some of that cash but God told him that cash is sick and whoever touches that cash will get sick the clothes the gold the silver is loaded with sickness don't touch it tell name and go back with it God bless you you're a good man his servant who is not in sync with God who is not hearing God he looks at the gold and is like my master has let this man off easily I need that three piece suit I need that gold. I need that diamonds. Ah, Naaman, my, my master says, bring the goods. He is not in sync with the spirit. He got the clothes, he got the gold, and he got the leprosy too. Fervent prayer is not you praying what you want. Thank you for praying what you want. What does God want you to pray? Huh? You pray what you want. Oh God, I want this. I want that. I want the other. I want a red car which is convertible. And I want a girlfriend who has a red dress. And, and, and we, go, we come to church, Lord, you even give us a red Bible. And, 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 that's what you want. Don't stop wasting our time with what you want. What is the will and the purpose of heaven? What does God want you to pray? What does God want you to release? You are so empowered when you pray that prayer, not my will, but yours. From there on, it is not you, it is God. He's taken over. When Jesus locked in and said, not my will, but yours be done, it was over. He was now taking it to the devil's HQ, all the way to Hades, and he was finishing the job. He was locked in. Everything was going to happen because the man was hearing God. He was now locked in with God. He was sinking with God, which brings us to number, number six. Fervent prayer downloads of God. Downloads God. This is critical. You see, if you've got your, 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 your device downloading, at some point it will tell you 70%, 30% downloading, 90% downloading. It is taking a while, but it is working on it. Ah, this is where Christians don't get it. They think that miracles are instant, and true, they are instant miracles. But many times, the miracle is a process. And in the place of prayer, you activate and quicken the process of the miracle. And the miracle is started, the miracle is quickened, the miracle is, is, is made available in the fullness thereof as a result of this download. You see, when you're downloading, you don't walk away with 20%. You don't, if your device has only got 20%, don't run off. Don't unplug. Stay on the Wi-Fi. Stay connected. It's still downloading. 
You need a process. And that's where this prayer we're talking about comes in. It is where you pray it down. Uh, what am I saying? You pray down the land. Then you pray down the money. Then you pray down the building. Then you pray down the saints. You're praying it down. You are not just going to get the whole thing in one quick lump sum put together. You have to go through the process of downloading heaven. The Bible says the angel came and met Peter. First the chains fell off of him. Then the angel says that is the first process. Peter get up. Peter gets up. He says wow I am up. Now the angel says dress up Peter. We are getting out of here. He's now at 50%. As they begin walking out he's dressed up. He has the, the saints who are praying. Don't forget the guys are praying. They are still praying that side. They are now downloading Peter. He's now dressed up. He's walking. He gets to the first door. The door opens by itself. He's not yet out. He is come halfway there. He needs to go all the way. He is only halfway there but they need to stay in the process. This is where we get it wrong and this is why I want you to understand the download process. You are giving up halfway there. Your spirit is still buffering. You're giving up. Your spirit is still downloading. You're giving up. The connection has slowed down a bit but it is still ongoing. You are changing vision. You're changing direction. You're changing anointings. You are changing dress code, talk code, faith confession. When you are halfway down your download. The Bible says they came out of the first gate. They came out of the second gate. He brought him out to the street and then he said, now Peter, you can go on your own. Your miracle has fully loaded. Prayer is a download process. Prayer is a download process. You don't understand it. They said, it is not Peter. It must be his spirit. I come to tell you, it is not about what you can do. It is about what God can do. And what God can do is so great and so grand. Even the people around you will see it. And they will say, it, will, it is not her. It is not her. It is not him. What God is doing is so grand, so great. It is beyond you. When you are in the move of God, it is not you. It is him. And you get to a place where you, even you look at you and you're like, wow, is this me? And the people around you look at you and don't you worry when they tell you it, it, all this and all that because even they can't believe it. You see, there are things the Bible says that God will do that even the ears when they hear, they will tingle because they can't believe that God can do it so quick and so fast. Fervent prayer is at that realm where it is not you. I want you to get ready. There is the realm of you. But I want you to get ready. There is the realm of God. There is a realm of what you can do. That is good. But there is a realm of what God can do. May you enter into the realm of what God can do. What you thought would take you 16 years, may God do it in one and a half years. What you thought this one will never be done, may God give you a second chance. He's a God of a second chance. And you might say, I've already had my second chance, then he's a God of a third chance. You might say you have had your third and fourth and fifth chance. He's a God who never fails. He will do whatever it takes for you. And may you be like that one who dreams as you wake up seeing what God is doing. Tonight, today, we want to release the anointing, the grace. That not only will you hear God and download what God is releasing, but most importantly, that you may move with God. That's what I want to leave you with. 
but it is not you doing it, it is God doing it. It's not you opening the door, it is God opening the door. It is not you starting, it is God starting. It is not you breaking, it is God breaking. It is not your ideas, it is God's ideas. It is not your strategy, it is God's strategy. You may have good strategies, but without the grace of God, your good strategy is nothing but a good strategy. May the grace of God quicken you so that your good strategy is a God strategy and you can see the success and the goodness of God upon that strategy so that at the end of it you may confirm that this has been God. Stand up on your feet. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and share the message to your family and friends. Follow us on our social media at Kingstar Church.